Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of She Runs Trails. I am your host, Elevance of Daisy, and today's guest we have Ashley, also known as Ashley E. Nordell on Instagram. Um, Ashley is a mom, she's a coach, she's an ultra runner, and she is an amazing athlete and I really feel like not many people know about Ashley but Ashley has been running for close to 20 years she's been running ultras for 20 years she started running ultras in her early 20s and now she's in her early 40s um, in the time frame of her running ultras she had two girls and I believe one is nine year, 10 years old and the other one is um, seven years old so they're you know mid young young little girls and the reason why I wanted to bring Ashley today is because I think all of us can really learn a lot, especially us women or female ultra runners. And the and the and when we get to the point in our lives in our thirties when we start thinking about having kids, but we also want to continue running these ultras and how these um how becoming a mom, a new mom, is going to impact our training and our running. Um, so today we're gonna bring Ashley. Make sure you guys have questions you answer below. Without further ado, let's bring Ashley on. Thank you so much for joining today. And uh, I, I'm very excited to learn and talk more about you and just your ultra running, like a whole journey. Like you've been running ultra, well, you've been running ultras for 20 years, close to 20 uh, years yeah. now. So I have to ask, why do you run ultras? <laughs> right. Uh, well, if you ask me after the end of each one, I would say I'm probably never going to do them again. Um, but yeah, no, I, I kind of started early because my parents do them. And then it just kind of, I think anyone who's done an ultra realizes it's kind of a slippery slope. And once you start one, it's like, you know, you jump to the next one, and then you're kind of looking to see when the next one's going to go. And um, so for me now, as a parent, it's kind of like the only time that I kind of have that me time other than, you know, work or something like that. So it's, it's my escape, as well as just, you know, a passion that I love to do. And it's been um, something that I've been passionate about for a super long time. And yeah, it's crazy when you said like how long it's been because I forget like how long it has been since I first started. I still feel like I'd like to think I'm still in my 20s, but obviously that's not the case anymore. <laughs> well, you're still racing like you're in your 20s. You're still, you're still winning races. You're still, it seems Thank like you. nothing has ever changed. You're still killing it out there, um, which, which I always, I always, he's like, I always say, I want to be, my goal one day is to be, and I know you say your father still runs ultras yeah. and he's like in his 70s and it's I want to be that 70 year old running up the mountain towards mile 90 and like passing all like the young 30 year olds and because <laughs> I was like, I want to be that strong runner at the end of the ultra totally. well, the it, it's funny you say that because I was just pacing my dad at a race the last weekend and he he says to me he's like well, now you can experience what it feels like to be back here at the back of the pack. We walk a lot out back here. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, it's amazing that he was doing it. And I like super grateful that I can do that with him. And yeah, it was it's a great like it's a family thing for sure. And what do you think Liz, I have has happened since the beginning? So you started running ultras in the early 2002-ish right yeah somewhere around yeah kind of um right after I got out of 
college, kind of that year between undergrad and graduate school. I went back home for a year and lived in my hometown before going back to graduate school. And that's kind of when I got into that scene. And how has ultra running scene changed in the last 20 years? <laughs> it's changed a lot. Um, just, I think when I first started, um, you know, there wasn't even social media. So like trying to meet up with um, running groups and friends, like finding people to run and kind of get other runner stories um, was, wasn't something that you could do. And so when I was in my early 20s, I ended up running with finding a running group in the high desert when I was back at grad school and running with a lot of people who were more like my parents' age or older, and they would kind of become the mentors that I would use. And it, they, I mean, I, in a way, I feel like races feel somewhat similar to me because I think I pick races that have that old school feel, um, or at least a lot of the races I gravitate towards are kind of like that. So I think maybe because of that's how I started, and I started running with my dad and his friends and, and other runners that were kind of in that age, that's sort of the old school way of ultra running that I enjoy, you know, it was back in the day of like the double hand water bottles and fanny packs <laughs> and the, the race ready shorts and everything. So, uh, I mean, it's definitely different now, but I think, you know, there's enough races out there that you pick and choose which kind of run culture you like. And I tend to find those that are a little more, more old school, um, old time sake, I guess. And you used to live here in Southern California, which is where where I'm from. And this yeah. is where most of the people who follow me are here. So I was actually very excited when I saw that you used to live in Mombal in the Bombali yes. area. Yeah. And I was like, wow, because Mombali is my favorite mountain. And I was like, wow, she used to live. I always say, how, how would it feel like if I was an ultra runner living right here? How was your kind of like training when you were, were you going up to Mombali on a regular basis? Yeah, no, that's great. Because um, I feel like I was a much better hill runner when I lived in Mount Baldy, because everything, as you know, is straight up hill. Um, and I lived there before I had kids. So it was just my husband and I, and we lived in some little cabins up there. And so we had a lot of time, we were both teachers. And so we had our weekends and the holidays. And so we could spend, you know, eight hours in the mountains, like running Baldy or running from Baldy to Wrightwood. And um, some of my best running memories are from when we lived down there, just the the group of runner friends that we had were super special. Um, it's funny because I actually coach a girl now who lives in Mount Baldy. And I figured she reached out to me because I used to live there. And it was total coincidence. Like she <laughs> didn't even know. And so now I can like give her very specific runs, which maybe is regretful to her. But it's fun to like relive those trails by seeing what she's doing and just like having those memories. Because Baldy to me is one of the best places to run and train. And if I could, I would go down there more often to get back to those trails because they're probably some of my favorite trails for sure. I agree. I actually moved to Glendora. I, I used to live in LA and I moved to uh -huh. Glendora because I used to drive two hours just to go to Mount Baldy. And I was like, okay, I need to move closer. And now that I moved to Glendora, now I'm just waiting for the snow to melt so I can go visit more often. But Absolutely. Um, well, if you've been up Bear Canyon Trail at all, that last cabin on the left that looks like a treehouse perched on the rocks before the trail. That was actually our first place that we lived in Mount oh. Baldy, um, which oh. felt really sketchy when we lived there. Like you could hear all the rodents and like you would see bear like right outside the door. And if anyone was driving up there, it was usually not someone you'd want to encounter. But that was our very first cabin. And then we got more into the village and we lived on Chapman Ranch for a while too, which is what that Chapman Trail is named after. Oh, that's good to know. I didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I, I, I went down the Chapman Trail by accident one day, and I realized, because you normally go down Ice House Canyon, mm -hmm. and 
I was just like, let me just go this way. So less people, most likely less people. I'm trying to run. And, you know, when you're a lot of hikers, it's kind of hard to run on yeah. the Ice House Canyon. I was like, wow, this is like an underrated trail. Like, it's so beautiful, so different, and it's so gorgeous. It's fabulous. Yeah. No, we definitely, I was even looking for spring break to see what tickets were to fly to California so we could bring the whole family to Baldy. And I'm sure we'll do it soon. But um, I've been back a few times since we moved up here, but I definitely would like to get down there more often and hit those trails again. And for those that do not know, where are you currently living right now? Yeah, I live in um, Sisters, Oregon, which for people who know Oregon, Central Oregon Bend is kind of the main um, hub that's near us. So we're in a town that doesn't even have a stoplight. It's, you know, a few thousand people, but we're really close to Bend and we kind of share trail systems with Bend, Oregon. So we're the kind of high desert version, uh, you know, of Oregon on the east side of the Cascades. And what has well, ultra running taught you after all these years of running? What do you feel like ultra running has really taught you um, through these years? And it could be one thing or multiple things or the things just come up straight to your head. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I feel like there's so many kind of life lessons in ultra running because there's times, you know, in races where you feel like I cannot possibly go another step and then you go 50 more miles and it's kind of like that changing your mindset and kind of reframing how you're feeling and reframing what you actually can do. And I kind of tell people a lot, like you can usually do way more than you think you can do. And when you think you've reached your wall, it's usually not even close to it. Um, and so I think just that kind of persistence and, and just the way that running kind of makes you get away and get outside and get on trails. Like it's a really therapeutic, at least for me, like it's, it's quiet and peaceful. I do a lot of runs alone or I do runs with other moms and like that's super therapeutic as it is too. just being able to share miles and kind of, you know, use that time that you have out running to also sort through your, your thoughts or, you know, collaborate on how, how the day is going and whether it's positive or, you know, negative and whatnot. So, and just seeing like how my parents, you know, my dad in particular still does it to this day. Like that's my goal too. Like, you know, even, beyond when it's sort of feeling like a competitive sport. I hope that I choose to keep, you know, using running as something to maybe keep me young. Like my dad doesn't look 71 and I really think like the running is kind of like plays a role in it too. And going from being, I feel like you're still competitive. Now. I think, I feel like I was looking at your ultra sign up and it seems like you've been competitive the past 20 years. <laughs> like how, how have you been able to stay in that kind of like just pushing yourself and being in that competitive kind of range like you're always you're when you do run you you run to kind of do your best like how how have you been able to maintain that yeah um you know I think for me it's um a little bit of it is just being willing to maybe push myself to that kind of uncomfortable stage um but also I don't run huge mileage um I took breaks off when I had the girls so like as far as like longevity too you know you see people who come into the sport and are really competitive for a few years and then they go away and um you know I think there's that culture to maybe over race and over train and it's a natural like there's always more races out there and they're exciting and I honestly think having kids has helped keep me from that because I can't travel the way I'd maybe like to if I didn't have that responsibility and that would probably be too much maybe like you know because the stress of travel and the stress of constantly running races and that competitive thing and I choose races that I want to do and I, I kind of let 
for me, the running is, is just about my own interests and what I enjoy. And so I haven't been too drawn into maybe doing too much. There were years that I did for sure. Just like when you first get going and there's so many exciting races out there, um, it definitely, you know, would happen. But um, I think just the fact that I had kids to kind of keep me grounded and keep me from overdoing it. Um, and then, you know, I've got like, obviously, if my dad's still doing it, there's some running genetics. My sister was a really good runner, which is probably why I didn't like to run when I was younger, because she was younger and faster. Um, so there's, I think there's just a little bit of like the family genetics of running and then just maybe taking that and being willing to be uncomfortable for a really long time. <laughs> and when you when you run or when you were training, specifically before you had your daughter, were you more like very very strict, um, very uh, strict about your training. Like I have to do these X amount of miles. I have to do this. Or were you? How did? How was your training? How did your training yeah, look? Like? I would say I'm probably not very traditional. I would run whatever adventure sounded good. Um, I came off of when I first started. I was coming off of. I ran in college, but it was more like it was a Division three school, and I ran kind of happenstance. Like I was bored. I missed sports and jumped in and. And I'd never done cross country even in high school because I was always a soccer player and other sports. And so I probably came off of having, you know, some speed of having practiced that um, in college. And then, um, yeah, I, I, there was a, a spell where I used a, a coach and I think that was super helpful. And one of these days, I think I'd like to get into that again. But I tend to do more on the fly when I have time. I run longer when I don't. I run shorter. When I'm really short on time, I run faster. Um, so not real conventional, probably not your typical um, what you'd envision a training plan to look like. Um, I didn't even have I, I think when we lived in Baldy, I probably had some kind of watch, but it wasn't. I, I don't even know like what mileage I ran back then because there wasn't like a way to record it. Like there was, that was pre Strava and, and all those <laughs> like watches. So I might've had a Garmin then, but it was, um, it was probably like the one that looked like you're carrying a GPS on your wrist <laughs> or like a hockey puck or something on there. <laughs> yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. It's like, I seen to was like a big gray one here. Yeah. It's like a, like a beeper like a, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yes. Right. Um, so I, even nowadays, um, how I train really dictates week to week on our schedule and um, life and everything. And I, and I think that's probably what's kept me in it for longer too, because I don't have an overly rigid regime. I kind of go with the flow of how the body's feeling and, and time allowed. Like two weeks ago, I, ha I ran a ton of mileage because I was in Arkansas by myself with my dad. And then last week it was super low because we were on spring break and traveling with kids. And so it really kind of dictates more on what's available and where you are in time available for me for sure and at what point when you were going I guess into your early 30s you're probably thinking like okay I'm winning all these races and then you're married you have your husband and the next question I'm sure people are asking you're gonna have kids <laughs> okay, take us yeah. through that process of like things that you were going through because I feel like a lot of ultra running women probably are going through that or um you know, the experience you have, the whole thing, like, am I going to get support from companies? Am I going to, is this going to put me back all the years of hard work I've put into? And now is this a setback? Like, yeah. what was your journey? Take us through your journey of that process of, you know, going into deciding to have your daughter and then your expectations of your pregnancy and kind of what was the reality from your first daughter. And then we can talk about your Second for daughter. sure those are great questions um yeah when we lived in california a lot of my running friends did have kids and so and they were a little bit older than me and would kind of you know when's that happening it's like the best thing ever and 
but also we lived such a carefree life. I mean, we traveled all the time on our holidays and, and breaks and everything. And so it, it did take a little bit of time to transition to that mindset of like having, like our big responsibility was that we had a yellow lab and one of us had to get home in time to let her out. And, you know, that was like the, the challenge for us. Um, and then we moved to Sisters about 12 years ago. Um, and we moved because my husband got a job here, uh, a t teaching job. And when we first moved, I didn't have a job yet. And so the timing kind of worked. And we knew we wanted to raise our kids maybe in a small town. And um, Oregon was like a great option for that. So then we did start thinking kids. And the way I actually found out that I was pregnant with my first daughter was um, I raced a 50K and it felt terrible. And I'm like, this feels worse than like normal what's going on. And the weekend before I had paced a friend at Pine de Palm for like 40 miles in the pouring rain. And I'd never hallucinated in my own race, but I was hallucinating in hers. And it was like this back to back of just terrible feeling weekends and so right after that 50k I was like oh well that explains something so for us it was kind of like we'll see when it happens and I was mm -hmm. I think I was 30 um and I was working um not teaching regularly I was actually doing a different kind of job in Ben so the timing of work as well as just kind of letting you know a change in life and a change in location sort of helped with that um, and I envisioned myself being that mom who was like eight months pregnant and running and it was absolutely not my reality. Um, I had kind of a hard pregnancy and at about 20 weeks I had to stop running due to like medical stuff. And so I walked and I cross country skied and I did all that, but it, it was hard to take what I envisioned reality being and I'd be out walking and people be like, why are you walking? And it was, you know, like even, you know, I just had this thought that I'd be that mom who who ran and then gave birth like that day. And so it, it wasn't like that. And then um, my daughter, I ended up having like crazy long labor, emergency C-section, kind of a crazy that whole side. And so then the coming back wasn't how I envisioned either. Like I, you know, it was just the start of like Facebook and stuff and people would pop up pictures of like, you know, a couple weeks after having a kid and running again. And and that's what I thought was me was going to be like how my reality was. And that's why I really loved when moms shared when they had a more challenging comeback because it, it makes you feel not so alone. And there weren't a lot of mom runner ultra runners that I knew at the time, but I would reach out to Darcy Pacquiao and Jen Benna and, and they were wonderful and kind of just to get another perspective on someone who does this sport and how did it look for them. And when I first got back to running after my first daughter, um, then it was like all your ligaments are all loose and everything's funky. And like two days in, all of a sudden I had knee pain. And I've never had knee pain. It was like, no, I know I've just taken all these months off. And so it was, it was a roller coaster for sure. Um, but then about four months after having my daughter, I kind of had a switch and things felt great. But then my second daughter was like totally different. It took me a lot longer. So I think I just had to learn like everyone's journey is really different and you can have expectations, but also be willing to have some wiggle room with that and, and know that it might not look how you envisioned or hoped it would look for sure. And how did you kind of surpass the not comparing yourself or not when you did feel down or you kind of feel like, why me? Why can't I be that person who can just start running, especially if you were such a, you are a great runner, but you know, you were like, you ran all these all this time before it's not like you just recently decided right. to pick up running how did you kind of push yourself and not get caught up in that comparison especially as social media in this case facebook was really starting to bloom yeah. comparing yourself to others um how did you kind of navigate that 
It was hard. And I actually, I remember um, taking a road trip with my husband when I was pregnant with my daughter and getting so angry at him because he'd go running every morning. And I'm like, can't you just take one morning off and experience what I'm, you know, like feeling out here? Like I can't run and you're running and, uh, you know, and your hormones are kind of funky anyway. So I, I will say it wasn't smooth sailing and I, I'm not going to say I was like super gracious and grateful for it all. Looking back, I think it was really positive because I think it's one of the reasons that I, ha it like forced a break. And I do think it's important to have breaks, especially when you're doing the sport for so long. Um, and so unless you have an injury, like we don't really take those set breaks. And that's something that now I can look back at and be grateful for. But during the time, that's not, you know, how you're thinking. And um, I remember three months after having my daughter, I jumped in and paced my best friend at a race. And I think I've shared this story before, but I just thought everyone was like, you'll be fine. Like she'll have already run 30 miles. Like you're coming off. You're an ultra runner. You're going to be fine. And it was not fine at all. Like it was miserable. And she was go like going for a golden ticket race and she was running fast. And the whole time in my head, I'm like, I just hope she slows down. Like <laughs> I had brought a pump with me and I had never practiced it. I couldn't figure out how to work it. Um, and so it was definitely another reality check. Like just because you could once pace someone for 26 miles doesn't mean you can or should be doing it three months after you have, you know, a, a baby, especially with like a C-section. And so I learned a lot from my first daughter. Um, and with her also, I came back to racing too quickly because I felt good after a while. And it was so exciting to get back into racing and um, I got into Western States that year. So I did more than I had planned and I paid for that the next year for sure. And so with my second daughter, I knew to like what warning signs to look for and to be a little bit more patient. And sometimes you have to learn that through trial and error or, you know, people could tell you over and over like what you need to do, but sometimes you just kind of have to feel it out for yourself and everyone's different. What works for me may not work for someone else and vice versa too. What are some of those warning signs that you kind of yeah. now kind of look <laughs> and just in general when it comes to yeah. ultra running, you know, kind of slowing the pace down? For sure. Um, for me, it was because I felt so good for that first year with my daughter and races felt good and races were going well. So it was like this cycle of like that one was really great I'm going to do the next one but then after a while it started to get where I just couldn't recover like I would get short of breath everything would cramp up like my it was like instead of feeling good it suddenly started to not feel good and instead of listening I just kept like thinking I'm just going to train through this it's just like a setback um, and then that next year was kind of like every race felt hard. Like anytime I tried to climb, my heart rate started to like skyrocket. And I was like, do I have allergies? Do I have like an iron problem? What's going on? And looking back, I really think it was just too much too soon after my first daughter and, and, and not, um, not respecting what my body had already gone through and, you know, throwing a lot more at it because it felt good at the time. And, and luckily with my second daughter, things didn't feel as good so easily. So it was easier to like hold back a little bit. Um, but that was also a really good thing to see. Like just because with my first daughter, I felt amazing, like four months postpartum, my second daughter was not the same, you know, it took me a lot longer to come back from her and, you know, who knows why just every, everything is different. And I think the number one thing I would say to like new moms who are, who are kind of looking at, you know, going through this process is 
everyone's journey is really, really different. And just because it comes easy for one person, it, it, it might be different for you. And in a way that can be a really positive thing because you're giving your body that rest that it needs. And, you know, there are people who train through their whole pregnancy who then have to take a break because it was maybe a little bit too much for them. So we all kind of have to listen to our own body and, and do what works for us and, and, and not judge too. Like it's really easy to think like new moms are doing too much or, you know, and it's like that, that might work for them. Like everyone has their own journey and we all need to kind of value each other's journey and, and be respectful of what, what that looks for each person too. Yeah. Well, well, and even for yourself, like you said, you can't, you can't even compare yourself, like even not just other people, but you can't, like you had two, you were the same human. You yeah. had two different pregnancy experience. So totally. if within yourself, you could have two different experiences. How can you imagine with other, like comparing yourself to another person, everyone's in your, their own unique yeah. journey. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So let's go to 2015. So I believe this is when you had your second daughter and AC 100 which was, I, I, want, I want to talk about AC100. And because and the reason I want to talk about AC100, because a lot of people know AC100 here yeah. in SoCal. It's a big 100 mile race. It's and, one of my favorites. It's like one of the best hundreds <laughs> out there. So I, I want to run it one day. I didn't at first, but now I, I do. Because the more I learn about it, the more I think it's just the pressure of like, man, everyone knows me or like, or, you know, everyone knows everyone here. So it's, it's yeah. such a community but um for ac 100 how old was your daughter your second daughter um she would have been about a a year so she was born in 2014 so okay. um i had it's it's um funny because jen benna who i've talked to she was in that race too and we both had two kids very similar ages and I remember, like, I didn't know if I was going to have to, like, stop and feed my littlest one. And she was in the same boat. And that was, like, amazing to have another mom, like, you know, going through that same kind of experience. Like, how are we going to do this? Because it was my first, I think it was my first 100 back after my uh, second daughter. And, and, she, and she, I know she was nursing. Did you nurse during the aid stations? I don't think so. I think my okay. husband was there in case. And one thing I have to say for me is dehydration plays a great role in slowing things down. It was definitely uncomfortable by the end. I think at the very end, it was like, where is she? And there was a like, picture and someone was like, what a great, you know, sweet picture. I'm like, I had so much poison oak on me at that end. Like, I feel like the worst mom that I was holding her at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't remember. I feel like I feel like I was able to wait till the end, but it was definitely like, thank goodness for those packs that kind of like hold everything in for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my God. Yeah. I saw that when I read that both you and Jenna, you guys were right. And you got first place and she got second place. Yeah. So you have these two badass new moms <laughs> when racing AC 100 and they get first and second place. Like that just shows how powerful moms are it, like yeah I, no I, I feel like sometimes we're scared like I'm a mother myself I have a teenager I don't I don't I can't compare myself of like ultra, mixing ultra running and being a parent but I feel like as moms we learn to endure so much yeah. and that was I, I thought that was amazing I feel like that 2015 AC100 story is such a powerful and just an example of what's possible Thank for you. for yeah for moms, for new moms and for women, it's kind of like, it's and like you said, it was very uncomfortable, but you push through it. And, and how do you endure through pain? Like you, you say you like being in that zone where you're very, you like to see how fast, how much you can push yourself. Like, how do you allow yourself to push yourself? Yeah, I, I remember and AC, what was special too, is because it was my, 
like back in the day, it was like my second hundred. And I think I did the next year. So I'd done it a few years. And then when I had that really tough year after my first daughter, when I came back and tried both Western States and AC, they were like my only DNFs ever. So I kind of had this dread of AC, like really worried, like, you know, is this the same issue I'm going to have, like after having my other daughter? So I went into it really nervous. And then I felt great for, gosh, like at least half of it. And then I was really lucky. I got to have Tommy Nielsen pace me. And you probably, if you live in that area, you know, he's like a long time ultra runner down there. So just that alone was super special. And um, he paced me from Chileo to the end. And, and for me, the issue is always my stomach. So poor Tommy, like that's what started to go. And, um, and so it went from like feeling amazing to like nothing really is going down and then climbing up from Chantry Flats, I tried to eat something and was like puking all over the trail. And, and then like, uh, you would think by this point, I'd have this stuff dialed in, but I had borrowed a headlight from a friend. And I remember she had said, I use this at Hard Rock, you'll need new batteries. And I totally forgot that until I'm starting up from Chantry and put it on and turn it on. And it was like, this is awfully dim. And I always brought spare lights. And of course, I forgot to bring a spare light. And Tommy only had one light. And so by the time, you know, very shortly in, my light dies. And so we're only using his flashlight. And then at um, Sam Merrill with like 10 to go, his light dies. And it just happened to be a full moon. And so it was like, I'm throwing up, but there's also the issue that, like, we have no light, and we had to, like, go with no light all the way to Millard, where luckily at the aid station they had some batteries, and so in a way it was, like, the distraction of the fact that, like, two really seasoned runners showed up with, like, no spare lights and one who hadn't even put new batteries in. Um, that probably helped a little bit, too, um, but I do remember, like, that climb up to Sam Merrill and, like, wanting to just, like, lay down and take a nap and just feeling terrible, and I don't know. There's something, um, once you've done some, you kind of know, like, you feel like you can't go anymore, but if, once you've done it, you realize, like, you know, I've been here before, like, I can, mm. I can go further, like, you know, I might not be able to eat, um, and that's unfortunate, because that definitely, like, hurts the energy, but I think just having that experience of powering through. The first hundred I ever did was so brutal that I feel like every hundred after that's got to be a little bit better. And so maybe starting with a really rough one makes the other ones feel not quite as bad too. <laughs> Do you feel after that first time when you allowed yourself to kind of push more than you thought you could allowed for the opportunity to do it more often? Like, because you realize, Oh, like you just said, since I've done it before, I could, you know, I've been here before. I know how it feels. Do you feel like the hardest part is that first time allowing yourself to go there? Do you feel like, yeah, for sure. And it's because you, you can start doubting yourself and feel nervous by the things that happen. And, you know, in, in the first, my first hundred, I think I was like 24 and I really, I, I was only a year into ultras. I didn't have any experience. So any little thing starts to be like, is this like, am I hurting my body? Is this like the game changer? Mm -hmm. And now I've gone hundreds where for like 50 miles, like my stomach rebels and I can't eat. And not that that's like necessarily a great thing to push through, but having done it, I know like, okay, my body can do it. Like I can still go through this um, and sort of having had that experience and realizing like you make it to the finish line. But for the longest time, I mean, I think I was almost, there was this sort of thing where like, I'll never drop from a race, like I'll, you know, the stubbornness. And now as a parent, I, I've only dropped from those 200s that I did that rough year, but I don't have that same ceiling where like, 
I will push through anything because like my priorities have changed. Like mm-hmm. I won't push to a point that it makes me incapable of parenting after this like hundred mm-hmm. mile or like, you know, I might be rough for a day, but if it's going to like end me, you know, in the hospital or something like that, it's no longer what um, I, I feel like there needs to be, you know, a safety level and an enjoyment level. And um, so I think, There'll be a day, I'm sure, again, where I, like, throw in the towel, but there is a part of me that's a little bit stubborn, and it takes a lot, maybe, to get to that to that level. But I do think differently now with kids and, and approach things differently, too, approach so much of how I do it in a different way than I did pre-kid, for sure. The risk level is different. <laughs> and how, how do you keep yourself injured? I know you mentioned earlier about how when you start receiving that knee pain during your pre- after your pregnancy, you're like, oh, what's going on? I never, I've never had knee pain. What has helped you kind of stay injury free, and yeah. yeah, healthy and healthy? What have you done that has helped you? I think a lot of it is just overall base of all the years because when I first got into ultras, I was injured all the time because I did everything wrong, like too many miles too quickly, switching from you know cross country and track to trails and. So there was probably five or so years where there was always something popping up. Um, and then I just think part of it is your body adjusts over the years and it, 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 it compensates for your, you know, if you have something not correct with your stride or muscle imbalances. Um, but I will say, as I've gotten a little bit older, I don't bounce back in the same way either. Like I used to recover a lot quicker and I could get away with things and I have a really bad habit of only dealing with stuff once it's a problem versus taking care of it when beforehand. Um, And I'm starting to realize like just with some chronic stuff that I need to put in the work. And it's funny because I coach and I always put little things for my athletes to do for injury prevention, you know, just little like exercises, strength, core stuff. And I'm so good at like telling other people to do it. And I'm terrible about doing it myself. Um, and it, there's no real excuse. Like everyone can find 10 minutes in their day. I could absolutely find 10 minutes in my day to do the work. Um, I just don't always do that. However, if I was to give advice, I would tell people they should really spend those 10 minutes doing injury prevention, you know, work and core work and stuff. Cause I think that would definitely be beneficial. And I think that's going to be, you know, as I get older and, um, you know, I'm going to need to do that more. It's going to start, you know, biting me back if I'm not, if I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, they, I had a, a coach and she told me once, you know, Daisy, I, I learned that we tend to coach best at the things we need to work on most or things we've learned <laughs> the hard way from. We tend to be great at coaching because we know we've experienced it. So we know totally. that's, the, that's what we struggle with. And we know that that's what we're best at coaching at. Right. Um, no, it's so funny. When I was an elementary school teacher, I was like teaching math was like the best for me because I struggled with math as a kid. And then um, the things that I like, cause you do, you learn how to kind of accommodate for the, the challenges you have. And yeah. So I like to tell people like do as I say and not as I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's great advice. So let's talk a little bit about nutrition. I know you talked, you, you say you, you, this is something you still you struggled with and kind of stomach issues. Um, what what kind of real food do you eat in your long runs? And what has helped you more on the what you intake? And then kind of how has that differ when you race? <sighs> Totally different. I can eat anything on a long run. I can put a burrito in my pocket and probably eat it. And then you give me a race. And if I have to chew it, it's not going to go down. Um, 
I think, and that's where, like, again, I kind of tell a lot of my athletes, like, you kind of have to push some of your training runs to force your body to reach that stress level. And that's Mm -hmm. why I think races make really great training runs for, like, say you're training for 100, I think having 50k races are really great, because it's hard to put your body through that same taxing stress in a training run, no matter how you approach it, even if you think you're going to push it, it's different with the race because there's nerves involved and other things too. Um, And then you throw in, you throw in heat or, you know, something like that too. So um, I have to, in longer races, you know, early on, I might be able to stomach stuff, especially if it's cool, but it pretty much has to be able to be swallowed or it's, it's not going to stay down. Um, But in training runs, um, I am able to, do a lot more and um yeah it's you would think after 18 or so years I should have the nutrition side of hundreds dialed in but I honestly think part of why I still keep coming back to these hundreds is I feel like I haven't yet nailed it like it's been a very long time since I finished a hundred without puking like the last one I made it to the end and then threw up but like there are people who can do a lot better than that so I feel like there are places of improvement and that's what keeps me coming back to um And I just, you know, I think some people also have a more iron stomach and some don't. And I've always just had a sensitive stomach. Like if I even think about a goo, I'm going to start, you know, dry heating because just Mm -hmm. the thought of that is disgusting to me. Um, But again, I think like you constantly are tweaking and what works in one race might not work in the next race for you because Mm -hmm. you're going to have different conditions. And if, you know, I might've done great with a certain thing. And then towards the end, I had stomach issues. Well, then the next race, if I try to use that, my body remembers that I did not like that at the end. And Mm -hmm. like the year I raced Western States in Leadville back to back Western States, I could use this one kind of gel for the whole day. And it was great. But by the end, my stomach was funny. So then I brought that to Leadville. And like, from the moment I started trying to fuel with it, it was like, it was too soon after my body (laughs) knew that it was not going to take that in. And I had to kind of, change things on the fly and so I think that's another thing to be um, aware of is like having kind of backup plans because rarely does a hundred go according to plan right like there's a lot of time out there for mistakes to happen or issues to arise and I think if you go in expecting a perfect day you're going to have challenges that maybe defeat you but if you go in knowing there's challenges that are going to come up Mm -hmm. um, you're more willing to be able to problem solve and come up with like a a different plan and and just kind of roll with it too and what are some things that you do just for your long runs when you do outside a race what are some things like foods that you take on your runs yeah um well as a mom i often raid what is here in our pantry um so <laughs> if i bought rice krispie treats as a treat for my kids then i might be taking those on the long run um i hide their halloween candy uh in the freezer after like a week or two and they've forgotten about it so sometimes i'll raid that and that's what i take um you can probably see why this is an issue but um, as far as like, I, I do like to use scratch, um, the drink and they have a new one now that has a lot more calories. And I've been experimenting with that because liquid calories to me really work. Um, I can do tailwind for, um, a, a part of like a, I can do for like 50 miles tailwind and that's great. It's usually 50 miles and beyond that I struggle with a little bit. Um, and then I try to kind of mix it up and not do everything sweet. So I might take, um, like potato chips or if there's somewhere where if I'm using my car or something and could do like just those instant mashed potatoes, something you can swallow that's salty and stuff, having a variety. I think too much sugar is often a problem. 
But I have a friend mm-hmm. who can run hard rock on goose the entire time. So we're all different in what our bodies will tolerate too. Um, and I just, I'm not one who could do that. So I have to have a variety of things, but yeah, when your kids have random foods, that often is what you might <laughs> use on your long runs. <laughs> they're probably going to wonder when you're going to the grocery store that they're going to see you put all the snacks and they're going to be all excited. But the great thing about kids when they're young, it's easier for them to forget. Like after a while, they'll forget that it's there. If, they're, yes. if it's no longer at their eye, like if you hide you it, hide and it's it. no longer yeah. in your vision, they'll forget that you had it there. Well, I had to go to the store today. I'm doing a, a race this weekend and needed to just buy some stuff. And I was actually kind of embarrassed because it was like a bag of Mike and Ike's, a bag of like sour gummy um, worms, like the fake mashed potatoes. And I'm like, I wanted to like, this isn't for my kids. I promise. <laughs> I'm hiding it once I get home. <laughs> like what kind of mom do you think I am? Just giving know, all right? this like sugar rush to you. Yeah, even adults. It in different increments so that people don't I live in a small town there's like judging here <laughs> yeah I, I I feel the same way sometimes when I go to the grocery store I'm about to have a race I have like my instant ramen and I have all these yes. like processed foods and like when I'm checking out because I I've heard stories that when they check you out of the uh, the store the person who's checking you out can tell a lot of a person by the, what they're checking them out <laughs> and I'm just looking at them like I, I know I have this Coke. I don't drink Coke on a daily basis. <laughs> Can I explain myself with this grocery list right here? <laughs> yeah, uh, Iris. Yeah, thank you so much for engaging Iris. Uh, she, yeah, even adults, we, we, we have to, it's kind of like, I feel like ultra running allows us to be kids again. Right. And, and you just can be... play in the mud and um, not shower for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, and just eat whatever you want to eat. And it's okay not feeling shame about having totally. Coke and having some sour gummies and yeah. just being out there and just being um, free. And totally. I feel like ultra running is a, is a sport where you can truly just allow yourself to be free without judgment and just allowing yourself to be your true self and, and bring the best out of you to see where what what's going to come out today. Well, and I feel like you meet some of the best people, fellow, you know, ultra runners. So I think that's super true and kind of um, speaks to the culture of the sport. Like some of the, my favorite people I've met during races, you know, or um, in training and stuff like that. Like there's that ultra runner friendship that you have and yeah, you meet amazing people out there because a lot of them are very like-minded and out there for, I think, similar goals and similar reasons too. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I actually have a personal question that's based, like, it's, I guess it's not personal, but it's, it's because I'm kind of struggling with this. Is So I've been training and I've been cramping a lot. What has your experience been with cramping and how do you push through those cramps? Because lately I've been pushing a little bit myself a little bit more because I'm trying to get faster. So I've been trying to allow myself to get more in the zone three. So I try to get zone four. It's so hard because I get, for me, I fear of getting injured. So it's hard for me to push myself because I don't yeah. want to get injured. Yeah. Um, so I've been cramping and I, um, I know I understand that cramping comes from fatigue and dehydration, but what has helped you with, cause I know you said that in the beginning you cramped a lot, kind of like, how did you navigate through cramps and kind of prevent preventing them? Yeah. I think often if I get it at a race, it's usually like a shorter race where I pushed harder like you said you know the efforts out there and that's why probably during speed workouts or things like that too um and then i do think for me dehydration definitely plays a role often it'll i'll 
think I'm fine. And it's when I finish the race, all of a sudden everything cramps up and like, mm -hmm. you can't even walk for like, you know, an hour afterwards. I remember finishing Lake Sonoma and feeling like I had to just like lay there for an hour and I hadn't had the cramping during it. It was like, as soon as I stopped. Um, so I don't know as far as like during the race, I think it's just a sign that you're pushing your body to kind of its limits, whether it is the dehydration mm -hmm. or the effort and, and probably being aware of what's causing it and trying to maybe um, address the issue before it comes, you know, to that point. And it's hard because some people deal with cramps quite a bit and then some that's just not an issue for them too, or some it might be you've never dealt with it and suddenly have a course that's super hilly and super hot and suddenly your calves are cramping up. Mm -hmm. um, so I think too, just trying to train your body in the elements that you're going to hit in a race. So if you're going to have heat, trying to find some ways to get to heat and if it's going to be hilly, do that. And again, it's like, you have to put your body through a little extra stress and training so you know what it's going to feel like in a race because you could train all day long at an easy effort and never get cramps. But like you said, when you kind of up that effort a little bit, that's when it happens and, and experimenting with what works for you, whether it's um, needing electrolytes, needing some more fuel or uh, more, more water or hydration and, and seeing how you can kind of like work through that but I know it's again I think that's what makes this sport so interesting right because there's so many elements that you have to um, keep track of and figure out how to solve for you and you might solve it for you but it won't work for the next person and mm -hmm. some people deal with blisters really bad and some people don't deal with blisters and and kind of those you know everyone's different and the kind of issues that'll arise for them and that's what makes it kind of exciting to to work through also because you just don't know what's going to show up on that race day right it's it's not a one shoe fits all sort of thing. It really and yeah. even with the shoes, it's very different and very it varies amongst people. When people have said, "What shoe do you recommend?" Well, like I can tell you which one of my favorite shoes, but you have to try it out and see what works for you, and then go totally. from there. Yeah, um, yeah. I had sorry, I had a question. I just want to make sure I kind of get all the questions here. I I know you you have done when you did Le Leona divide the 50, the 50 miler yeah um what was the i guess the real was what was the realization with of after your second daughter after, um, after you, yeah so, so i did leona with my fir my first daughter was like nine months old um when i did okay. leona um and that's i think you know my friend wendy um yes Barth. yeah so i went down to leona mostly to hang out with her and she was willing to watch my daughter while I raced. And so she had Raya, my daughter, um, while I did the race and it was a golden ticket race, but I did not go in with that expectation at all. So there was definitely like an, Oh no moment afterwards, because it was like suddenly the thought of running a hundred a lot sooner. I was going to do Leadville that year, but that gave me like Leadville mm -hmm. was August and Western States is June. And my daughter was born that may before. So I, I'd be running Western States with her just a little over a year. Um, so there was definitely like a, oh no, what did I just get myself into? But also like, how do you turn down a golden ticket? You know, who knows when you'll get one like that again. Um, and so it definitely was uh, like two parts, like super excited. Um, but also the thing about Leona that was kind of um, a good run was before Leona, I was kind of in that um, sort of like, can I really do this ultra thing and this mom thing? Can I go into a race like knowing I'm not training like I used to? And it was sort of my deciding race. Like if it had gone poorly, I was going to be like, I need more time. Like I need to, you know, back off and take a break. And because it went really well, 
it was kind of like my realization of, wow, I can do this and just train totally different, like a lot less mileage, a lot more specificity, um, being, you know, doing quality over quantity. And so I feel like that race was a turning point in that mental mindset too of like, um, life looks a little bit different now and training looks different, but it still can, you know, I can still do it. And I, I had to kind of think to myself ahead of time, like, can I do these races just for fun? Like, will I be able to go into it and just run it? Or will that competitive, like, will I be able to get through that competitive side of me? And, um, and Leona was a great to kind of show, like, you can still try to do your competitive goals, but train differently and, and do it as a mom. And, Obviously, it takes a village since I had, like, friends watching, you know, a nine-month-old and coming out with me. And um, that's, again, like, what's kept this going, too, is you have to have that support system. Or for me, if I didn't have it, it would be too stressful. I wouldn't enjoy it if I knew that I didn't have support from family and friends and things like that, too. And let's, let's talk a little bit about quality over quantity. Uh, what, can you give us an example of what you mean by between quality, uh, quality training and quantity training? Yeah. And that way, that just, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So pre-kids, especially when I lived in Mount Baldy, I could spend the weekend just out running like eight, 12 hours, you know, just not necessarily training, but just out there in the mountains. And so I don't necessarily know what mileage I was logging, but I was, I would just spend the, the weekends on the trails. And then once I had my daughter, like that wasn't a reality anymore. I mean, she, at nine months, she was still nursing. Like, you know, we like that just, I couldn't be gone all day long. And so instead of doing long mileage, I might do a shorter run, but do it, you know, have some speed workout in there or um, be more specific about it. Cause I probably logged a lot of junk miles pre-kids just because I enjoyed it. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it was junk mileage in that I shouldn't be doing it. I was loving the process of it. Um, but my priorities changed and suddenly I had to prioritize, like if I'm going to get a run in, it's got a half of it probably has to happen while she's sleeping. So it's probably got to be right from home. So it probably needs to be quicker and I need to get done. And so my overall mileage and time on feet was reduced, but I ended up doing some faster runs or just being more specific, taking extra rest days that maybe I didn't take before too. So how did you train for, um, when you did like Leadville 100, how how did you train for a race like Leadville 100? Yeah, well, so I had, did Western States that year, so that was like a really long training run. And then um, my husband and I and my daughter, who by Leadville was maybe 15 months, we camped in Leadville for like three weeks um, to get acclimated. And mm -hmm. honestly, it was easier to camp with a 15-month-old than it almost is now with older kids because they don't really have opinions at that age and they kind of think it's fun and there was a week where um we had a house with Pearl Izumi so like leading up to the race I did get to sleep in a bed for part of it but there was over two weeks of just sleeping in a tent um at altitude and that was my like I guess altitude training side of it and then as far as the running training um it kind of jumped from Leona to Western States to then Leadville, like there wasn't probably a lot of big training between just because of needing to recover. And I think we traveled to Minnesota um, right before coming to Leadville. So obviously like no altitude training for a little bit. Um, and then just, yeah, being um, able to live. A, I mean, we, at that time, again, we were both teaching or at least he was teaching. I can't, I think I was teaching preschool by then. So we have the summers off. So I know that's not, you know, that's a very 
um, special opportunity that we can camp for three weeks because we do have our summers off or ended then. So um, that allowed me to get up there in the mountains. And um, yeah, it was, it was like a great Western States and Leadville were great races. Um, it was, it was too much, but at the time it felt really fabulous. <laughs> because like sometimes it's like, this is going to help me just kind of stay conditioned to the next one, but it, it's a lot. Have you ever yeah. hit a point where you, feel like you're racing and then you just kind of hit that like oh man like I don't I don't know if I can go another training block or like kind of like that point yeah. is like I, I, I can't especially having your daughters like feeling guilty or feeling a little shame that you know you know you're leaving them a home home not alone but with their dad totally. or with someone. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you navigate through that um, you know, when they were little, they came to all the races and that's, I'm super lucky that I have a husband that's willing to haul one or two kiddos. Um, but that helped me because I wasn't traveling away from them. So, you know, like AC, we all road trip down there, um, Leadville, we were all there together. So I wasn't leaving for extended periods of time. I don't think I could have done it if I, if I was, because I think that guilt would be too much for me. Um, I think you have to really enjoy the process. So if I was, feeling too guilt-ridden or just too stressed about leaving, I wouldn't be enjoying the process and then it wouldn't be worth it for me either. Um, my husband and I would do a lot of, like, as far as training, like, um, trailhead swaps. And um, he trains for races too. And so we both have to be able to find that time to get it in. So it would be like, I mean, even nowadays um, we do that. Like one of us will run from home to somewhere. One of us will meet there with the kids. We'll hang out. One of us will then bike home or something like that. Mm -hmm. So involving, you know, as they get older, involving the whole family. So usually if the destination includes a restaurant with French fries or a park, it's all good because I run there. Then I hang out with them. He hops on the bike and he rides back home. So luckily, you know, where we live, that's an option too. Um, and so it was just those kinds of things, like, because even now I'll feel, not that anyone in my family, well, my kids do make me feel guilty, but my husband doesn't, like, make me feel guilty, and so it's all on me, like, I take it on anyway, I, I'll think I've been gone too long, and I'll stress, like, this run took longer, and, and you'll send a message, and they're all fine at home, but in my head, I've been lo gone longer than I was supposed to, um, and so those are the things, like, we just find ways to incorporate them, like, this weekend, um, the race that I'm going to, it's, it's called an infinity ultra. So it's kind of like a big backyard, but you run three miles every 40 minutes. Um, and it starts on Saturday and I don't really know how long it goes. And like one of my daughters has a birthday party. So I'm going to go early and camp. And then after the birthday party, my husband's going to come with the girls and we'll all camp Saturday night. And if I'm still running, they'll sleep <laughs> and I'll run. And if I'm not, we'll all camp together. Um, but that makes me feel better about being gone. Um, than if I was just gone all weekend, you know, and he had the girls and they're, you know, we've been taking them camping since they were little. So that's like normal for them. And this all is kind of par for the course for them. And then my husband, I'm sure will bring his bike to the race. And as soon as the minute I'm done, he's probably going to go for a bike ride. And so that's kind of how we make it work for our family, for sure. It's kind of, it, do you feel like there's sacrifices um, happening when when scheduling and working together to create a plan that works for everybody? Absolutely. And there's times when it doesn't go well. Like 
he will plan a, a ride with friends and I'll plan a run with friends and neither of us will have communicated and suddenly we both planned it for the same day, you know? <laughs> so it's not always seamless and perfect by any means. Um, usually with the weekend, we kind of try to like, you know, each of us take a day, that's our longer day. And then the other mm-hmm. one will plan their thing around that. Um, so communication is definitely key. And when we, when we don't do it, it usually ends in one of us getting mad about missing the workout (laughs) or something like that. But it's, you know, for me, if I get the weekend and get to run with friends, like that's super special because a lot of times during the week it's I'll go solo. Um, and for him too, like, you know, he gets up super early during the week. So for him, he wants to get together with friends on the weekend too. So we just have to figure out ways to make it work for both of us. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say my parents live a couple hours away. So like a few weeks ago, he was traveling for a gravel ride. So I went to visit my parents and we all hung out and then they helped with the girls and I got to do something too. So again, it's like having that kind of village of people helping you. It would be a lot harder if um, we lived far away or, or I didn't have that supportive, you know, partner. I don't think that would work either. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I feel teamwork, right? Like um, Disco said, teamwork makes the dream work. And it really, it really does take a village. And especially when you have kids, and you have all these things going on, and not just in ultra running, I think in life, right? For sure. If, you, if, For if sure. you're an employee and a student, and you're trying to do you have a business or whatever is it, when you have a community of friends and family members who can help you out, you can have play dates. Um, something that helped me in my younger years was having play dates. Like I'll take care of um, one of my friends, my son's friends. They'll come over the house, and then the weekend, the following weekend, he'll go over his house. So then I'm kind of like free. I don't, I don't have yeah. for the weekend, you know, like for no, the day. No, for sure. Yeah, it's finding that system that works for you. Um, and you know, it's really good too. Like my husband is not sympathetic to me during a race. So like for some that wouldn't work to have family there he will be the one that tells me to like get up off the trail and get moving. So that works that he's there. Like, I feel like if it were maybe one of my parents, it wouldn't be such a good, like they wouldn't want to see you hurting or whatnot. But I think him just being an athlete too, like neither of us are the most sympathetic to the other one when they're struggling. So they're like a good person to have at at an event too. (laughs) They'll probably remind you of all the hours you weren't home and you're like, you want to quit now? Is it going to make it worse all the hours you went out of the house to Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Miss K is asking, do, do you, does your, um, do your girls run? Do they run? That's so funny. Um, I, you would think like between my husband and I, that we should have these athletic children and no, they both like fight it tooth and nail. If you know, like even family hikes, but, um, sometimes like, you know, you do those races and they have the kids run and like over Thanksgiving, I jumped into a 10 K and they had a little kids run and Josh and I, my husband were like, they were like last of like, there's like three-year-old girls running past. <laughs> and not that that matters. It's totally, you know, whatever they like. My oldest is really into dance. Um, so she does like umpteen dance classes. And then my younger one is super physical. Like she plays baseball. And, um, but, you know, I, as a kid, totally resisted running too. And I grew up in a family of runners and I did not like it as a kid. And um, so it's not something I would ever, you know, if they, if, if anyone wants to run with me, I would love it and we would do it, but it's not something I would ever push on them. I think they need to find what they like to do. And, um, I don't have like set goal, like in my head, I don't have it that they're going to be like these great runners or anything like that. It's whatever they love as a kid. I loved all the other sports, but running. So who knows, you know, 
my old coaches laugh that I do ultras because I would complain that like, you know, a 5k was really way too long. Um, at this, uh, a race I was at a few weeks ago, I ran into my sister's old coach. Like she started running at a super, um, early age. Like she was nine and running on this competitive running team. So she had a coach for early on and he would always try to get me to jump in and like be an extra person for, you know, team scoring at these trail races and um, like little five Ks. And I would always resist, like I would play any sport, but run and every once in a while I'd get dragged into one. But it was like, he's just laughing that here I am at this race. Like we see each other 30 years later and he found out what I do and stuff. And so it's, you know, it comes full circle. So maybe one day they will do it, but as long as they're out and moving and outside and, you know, away from the computers i'm good <laughs> yeah iris said as long as they stay active i think that's the, and then i feel like the more you push an idea on your children as a parent yeah. the more they don't want to do it like Absolutely. the more and i think that's kind of yeah. what happened to you as your both of your parents were ultra runners yeah. the more they probably wanted you to be an ultra runner the more he's kind of like the rebel like well now i don't want to be doing it totally. only because you want me to do it i don't want to do it <laughs> so the key is not to push your yeah. dreams and goals onto your kids. Yes. No. And my oldest would purposely probably not run just if I told her to do it. Because <laughs> we're at that stage right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's how old is she right now? She's 10. She's oh, yeah. 10 going on like 15. I feel like right now we're at a stage. <laughs> She's challenge, starting to challenge and see, kind of see what they can get away with, what they can't get away with, uh, testing yeah. the waters. Absolutely. Um, well, Ashley, I know we're going towards the end of the hour, but I do want to talk a little bit more. Uh, what I, I know you're a coach. So what what got you into coaches? Why did you decide to be a coach? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, it happened sort of randomly. Um, so I would coach a few different people who just reached out. Often it was actually for AC, um, Angeles Crest, like they were running it, knew I'd run it and would just kind of reach out. So I was doing it just on my own. And then, gosh, maybe four years ago now, um, Matt and Julie Orbanski, who have founded something called Team Run Run, which has a whole bunch of coaches. And so people can go to their website and um, kind of, pick a coach based on like categories. So if someone's looking at a coach who's comfortable doing trails or roads or marathons or ultras, and then they can narrow down their search and they can find a coach that kind of fits um, what they're looking for. So they had maybe like a half dozen coaches and just wanted to know if I would be interested in that. And so I started with them and that was when they were just super small. And now, gosh, I don't even, they have more like maybe 80 coaches or something now. They have a lot and so it just kind of snowballed and it was perfect. I mean, the timing worked out really well because it was, you know, my kids were young and I knew I wanted to have flexible schedule and I was teaching preschool part-time. And so I could kind of do both of these together. And it started as just sort of like a little side gig and now it's just grown a lot, which I'm super grateful for. And um, I coach a lot of parents and moms. And um, I think that, you know, moms, especially new moms are often just looking for someone who's been in those same shoes and understands like that priority shift or just wants advice on how to transition, you know, back to, to running after having, you know, a baby and, and those kinds of things. And so I really love looking, you know, working with, with moms and, um, but I have a whole variety and it's, it's been awesome. It's, it's like a great sort of thing to like, it's, it's a job, but not a job, you know what I mean? Like a job that I love to do. And, a lot of them I've met, like different people I coach, I've met over the years. And so they'll come, um, 
here to like do some trails out here or I'll come to people's races that are close by. So I've gotten to, you know, be a part of their race experience, which is amazing as well. What, what do you feel new moms, like what, what is probably one thing that they tend to forget or not do that is really hurting them um, when it comes to ultra running? Yeah, I would say some of it is just is because they come off of like their pre, you know, before they had kids and maybe just having that jumping in too fast or feeling like things should be coming quicker. Um, but I feel like a lot of the, the moms that I coach also realize like their priorities are shift that, you know, as they go through the process. And um, another one that's just huge is like, um, just making sure to stay like hydrated and fueled. Like if you're a new mom, especially if you're a new mom that's nursing, it's a whole different thing to stay on top of that. And that's one that a lot of um, moms have like that we talk about a lot because that's just something you don't always think about or just the fact that your body went through a whole lot of different things. And like I talked about with mine, those like little injuries pop up. Like you weren't expecting that. You thought you took all this time off. You should feel super great going back into it but your body did a lot of changes over the last nine months and giving it a little bit of grace um and then like I said just not comparing with what you're you know having your expectations you might have them but being open to the fact that you might your expectations in reality might be a little bit different um you know when it comes time to getting back into running thank you Ashley um and I'll ask my last question, which is what's the last advice or words that you want to give to anyone who is an ultra runner right now and is considering having children? They don't have children because of that fear of, you know, is this going to, am I going to still be able to run ultras once I become a new mom? Uh, what, what would you want to tell that, that woman, that mom that wants yeah. to be a mom? <laughs> I, I, that's a great one. I think I would, you know, really emphasize on the fact that it might look different, but it doesn't mean that you're giving up one dream for another one. Like my best races came after I had kids. And I, I really contribute that to the fact that I fine tuned and was more specific in what training looked like. And, you know, my priorities might've shifted. And so my running takes the back seat sometimes, but when I get to do it, I'm also so much more joyful in doing it because it's, it's a little bit of a break and it's like that me time that we really, really miss. Um, and so I feel like so many moms think it has to be an either or and going in and knowing like it doesn't have, you don't have to give up one for the other, but I think building a support system ahead of time can be really helpful. Like, um, you know, it's hard to do alone. And like you said, you had friends, I've had family. So whoever it is that you can work through, once I met other moms too, and it doesn't, they were moms that were runners, but they didn't even have to be ultra runners, but that's, that's huge because you can, um, every Wednesday or Thursday morning, I meet with a group of moms and like we do six miles, but we're all parents and all at kind of different stages. And we have that time to commiserate and kind of share whatever we're going through. So the other thing I would kind of recommend is finding, finding fellow moms um, and maybe some fellow moms that, um, our runners too, and having that time to, to share and, and kind of bounce ideas off because, yeah, I would reach out to, to moms and kind of get advice on different things, whether it's like, you know, how did they come back? What, how did they make it work with nursing? How did they make it work with time? And so if you can reach out to other people who are willing to share, that can be super helpful and you don't feel quite so isolated. Um, when we did, when I had my first daughter, I didn't have that same network here because we were pretty new to town. And the difference between my first daughter and second daughter was huge because by the time I had my second daughter, I had a lot more 
mom friends. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that was a huge, um, helpful thing for me, just that support system. Wow, that's, that's very beautiful and powerful. Thank you so much, Ashley. And and Iris um, said, yeah, you value Iris is a mom as well, and that you value the time you get to train much more. And after you're done, you value the time you get to spend with your kids. And that that's true, yeah. right? When you, you're not with them, you miss them. And then when yeah, you're with them, you no, want to wish you were out sure. of the trails. Well, and I think, too, like, I remember when I started running with my little one in a stroller, I had some moms that were, her, their kids were a little older, and they would push the stroller and run with me. And so, like, Aww. then I run with moms. And it's like, if you're not the new mom, offer to push that stroller because it's like just, you know, any little bit that moms can do for fellow moms or, you know, friends can do for fellow friends are, are things that can be really helpful. And, and just to be able to run and not push that stroller and have a friend do it next to me was, was amazing because so much of my mileage during that time was pushing that stroller. <laughs> I'm sure it made you stronger too because now you, yeah. you, you're training with pushing the stroller and during yes. race so you don't have to push yes. the stroller so it's not as hard. Yeah, well, you, you talk about advice that would say have a good running stroller. It was like key for me. <laughs> Make sure you get a good running stroller. Yep. yep. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for joining today. Um, thank you, everyone who joined us today. Anyone, if you came in late or if you're listening this later on, um, it, the episode is saved in the in my Instagram, and it's also saved in the podcast linked in my bio at Elements of Daisy. So thank you, everyone who joined us today. And Ashley, again, thank you so much for being here and for sharing so much wisdom and knowledge. Um, personally, I've thought about the idea of potentially being a new mom in the future but this question of whether or not ultra running in the new mom is possible um it, it has made it hard to consider that idea but now after talking to you it has really opened my mind a, little, a lot more and kind of see of what the possibilities can be in the for the future so thank you so much it's really amazing yeah, what you're yeah. doing by sharing your story and changing future moms and you know it, it really really appreciate you and i appreciate just you share so much great information today so well thank, thank you. you so much absolutely no i think anytime that um moms are willing to open up you know it's it's great to like have use them as resources so ask away anytime <laughs> yeah if you guys make sure you guys follow ashley e nordell on instagram um she has the link to her coaching services in her bio so make sure you guys check her out um if you guys have any questions ashley was very friendly i, I met her through um our mutual friend wendy's i just like hey oh, <laughs> Wendy. yeah she told me she's like hey you wanna you wanna might want to interview ashley she's a pretty badass ultra runner i'm like oh. okay here i'm going stalking you <laughs> But but thank you so much, Ashley, and um, best of luck this weekend on your race. I'm looking forward to seeing how you do. I know you're going to crush it, and I hope all goes well. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, uh, it's one of those funny races where who knows, like, I don't really know how long it will go. It depends on who else comes, and it should be a party out on the trails. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, maybe like a good last one day or the last five days, right? Right? I know. They don't even post a list. I don't even know how many other runners are there. So you just hope there's a few that want to run some miles because, yeah, I'm hoping to be out there for a while if possible. Well, best of luck, Ashley, and thank you again. Have a good night. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. Likewise. Bye. Bye.